Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsink. With me is someone who I have known for a long time, seems like forever, and my partner in crime, my co-author of Ghost Chronicles and Ghost Today, the Queen of Pain, Maureen Wood. Hey, how you doing? There you go. Finally, a voice that says in the chat room. So there you go. <laughs> so yeah. it's great to have you back again. Uh, the first thing I want to uh, ask you, of course, is uh, how you how have you been? That's some of the questions I've already received in message. And what have you been up to? So before we start, let's start with that. Um, well, you know, thanks for asking. But, no, I've been really good, um, just extremely busy. And I've, instead of going out and doing a lot of investigations these days, uh, it just seems like I've been doing tons of readings. Uh, for people. So, you know, I haven't really been advertising. I feel if someone's meant to get the message, they will. And it's been very interesting because, uh, you know, I'll get like groups of phone calls and it just keeps coming. So I, I guess that's a good thing. I guess it is. And, you know, you and I are, are in the, the midst of writing our uh, follow-up to Ghost Chronicles. Uh, Ghost Chronicles, the journey be- continues. Uh, and it's kind of interesting because we have done so many cases together and, and had so many unique experiences that uh, it's like like an adventure all over again, just rewriting this book. I know. And, you know, it's, it's interesting if you recall the one chapter that we wrote twice because I <clears throat> ended up accidentally misplacing the file. Um, mm-hmm. And then we found it. What was interesting is that it really, when we rewrote it, it was very similar, if you remember, to the other one. And I thought, wow, you know, I guess our memories are pretty good still. So that's, that's positive. And then also it's always enjoyable for you to keep playing the uh, episodes of us to watch myself doing channeling, which is really not fun. But yeah, I feel well. it's the universe's way of uh, dope slapping me or something or waking me up and saying, yeah, what are you doing? Here you go. That's what you look like. Yeah, but more likely saying, you know, it's time for you to get back into it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but But, it's... You know, uh, I was thinking of you today because as I was driving back from the health club, I come across the license plate number with 666. And most people who see 666 thinks that's, you know, oh, the devil, oh, it's it's evil. But uh, do you still remember your angel numbers? I do. And really, it's more that you're worried about finances. Um, oh, is that what it is, huh? Yeah. Well, it's more that you're focusing on finances and financial issues and so forth. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. And that was I one of the first things when I when I first met you that you were, uh, introduced me to, and I always found that extremely interesting. I it, I really seldom get six six six. By the way, I, I do get the 
the better ones, 222 and 333 and 444. Four, four. and so, Oh, you're being picky now, right? Yeah, so, uh, you know, maybe it's just a thing. But for, for those who don't know, know what I'm talking about, uh, why don't you explain how that uh, all came about, uh, the, the numbers? Uh, okay. There are, well, first of all, the whole universe is made up of numbers, right? So mm-hmm. back in time. So if you think about it, for many years myself, um, I always related certain sequence of numbers to meaning certain things. Like, for instance, the 444 was the four archangels, Uriel, Gabriel, Michael, Raphael. Um, but over the years, I, you know, I was introduced to uh, Doreen Virtue's book, which is an amazing book. Of the, She talks about angel numbers and archangels and ascended masters. So what was interesting is that as you start relating the numbering scheme, for instance, to, it's not necessarily looking for a sign as it is seeing them at the exact moment that perhaps you have a certain question on your mind or you're thinking about certain situations and you, you know that numbering scheme, it becomes like another language. So as you go, you'll be driving about your day and all of a sudden you might be drawn, say, to look at a certain area and you know, your mind's wandering, you're thinking about something and it's that inner knowing, right? You go and you look at it and it's like, oh my God, I knew. Uh, that that was the listening. And it, to me, it provides a sense of calm. It provides a sense of peace to me. And I have to tell you, there's so many people that I talk with, and it's funny, some of them are like, you're crazy, you're out of mind. And I'm like, that's fine, it's not for you. But there are many people that come back to me and say, oh my God, Maureen, that is amazing because it, it really makes me, I can feel it. Um, I have one friend who they lost their child, uh, and the numbering scheme means a certain thing, there's a certain timeline, and Every time, like, he'll feel these things going on or he'll have, like, some sort of unusual event take place, and right next to it, somehow there'll be a number associated, and it's always the same number for them. Mm-hmm. So, so anyways, uh, we don't want to get too much into that. Uh, we do actually have a guest tonight, and the poor young lady has been sitting on the line for the last few minutes listening to us babble. So, without Sorry further ado... Why don't we bring her in? Uh, she is an investigator and tour guide for Capri, which is Cape in the Islands Paranormal Research, if I got that right. Uh, Wendy Patterson. Wendy, are you there? Hi. Nice for you to have me on. I appreciate you inviting me on your show, and I, too, subscribe to Angel Numbers as well. Hi. So. <laughs> you do? Yes, I do. Both Doreen Virtue and Joanne Scribe. I believe she's out of Australia, so she has her own site, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. And I believe they're very accurate. That's oh. interesting. Uh, the only problem with angel numbers is they seem to be, uh, you know, I mean, I have Doreen Virtue's book of angel numbers, but they're always, you know, upbeat. You know, there's no, like, death and doom in it so uh oh, well, they, slant, they slanted a little bit you know what i mean yeah i don't know what do you think wendy no wendy? i don't think so i mean uh, you could write your own on your version exactly the numbers and have it more of a negative slant too i mean that will work for you but um no, it usually I'll find, and it won't even be in passing. I'll just happen to, I'll be thinking like what you said, 
and just a random thought. And I usually say I need to be hit over the head with a sign. I need billboard signs. So the numbers <laughs> or music is perfect for me. If I need a kick in the butt, it's usually a visual sign like the numbers or a certain song or something will come on mm-hmm. for me to get a message. Right. Like, yes, this is for you. This isn't just for a random thing happening in space. So, yeah. Right. I, I, I too, have to be uh, get, a, get signals. Like I remember going into the, the studio to do the show and wondering if it was if I should do it or not. And then guess what? I saw my face on a billboard. So there you go. I did get that billboard See? sign. You did. <laughs> exactly. Billboard sign. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Wendy, how long have you been interested in the uh, paranormal? Well, I should say I've been involved in the paranormal professionally for at least seven years. But I grew up in a haunted house. Oh, wow. I wasn't actually aware that that wasn't the norm until later. So for me, it was normal to hear footsteps going up your stairs at night once the house had settled, because we do live in a house that's over 100 years. And in New England, that's fairly common. You hear the house settling and whatnot, but we would hear footsteps and you would hear people talking. And when I was little, my mom would say that she would hear conversations coming from my room. And me being the only girl, I I had my room by myself. Mm -hmm. And she said, like, from a young age, like two or three, she would hear me carrying on a conversation and then someone else saying, where are my spectacles? Now, I would be too young know the term spectacle and so it sort of creeped her out so with her this is taboo I am not supposed to be involved with it she doesn't understand my fascination with it or anything like that but as she's gotten older it's sort of like okay this might actually be real or there might be something to it but from ever since I can remember I've always had instances in my house so i always tell our other investigators that i think i'm a little jaded i'm the one that goes into the more creepier places because very little will phase me so except for spiders i'll be more freaked out <laughs> and you know a full of uh, spiders yeah I, maybe that's something that's you know typical i don't know i mean yeah i'm Ron will say the same thing. For me, it's like, yeah, I speak to the dead, and, you know, you can feel and pick up on anything, but don't put me near a spider. Um, yeah. I, I just creep out, and I just, ugh, I can't stand spiders, but that's another thing. Yeah, we, you know. We had a case that we were on, and um, they brought us in, obviously, to see if it was haunted, and... We were investigating all areas of the house. I mean, this building. It was a commercial building. Mm-hmm. And I kept going, okay, because it was involved the kitchen area and a dining area. And is there any other places that um, someone could be? Because my initial thought is it's never paranormal. It's always something mundane that causes it. And... They're like, well, yeah, there is this stairway, but it hasn't been open since, I don't know, like 
30, 40 years. I'm like, yeah. okay, take me there, because I'm thinking someone could be hiding in that stairwell. So they, we basically break into the door, because it had been sealed, and I'm going, okay, I will sit on these stairs, and then all the lights were going out, not by us touching them. They were literally going from, as we were passing from one room into the other to get to this corridor, each light kept going off. And I was cool. with the gentleman that was showing me this particular hallway that someone could be supposedly in. And the whole time I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of odd. Maybe it's the electrics. And I get to the stairwell. I'm thinking, oh, great. Now I have to sit on these stairs. And they were filled with cobwebs. Mm. And I'm trying to get EVPs. But the whole time I'm thinking, oh, my God, there's probably a million and one spiders that are crawling all over me right now. And I'm like, oh, having ah. a little mini freak out. But <laughs> it ended up me being in the dark because he left. He did not want to stay in that creepy dark hallway with the spiders and the cobwebs. So he left me by myself. And it ended up that was um, where we had gotten evidence. I had gotten EVPs for the commercial building. It was something that a gentleman that had worked there before and was in charge of renovating that particular building who had recently passed. It was one of his um, famous sayings. It was okie-dokie, and I had never heard of this. And I was like, okie-dokie? Who in the world says okie-dokie? And it turned out to be, they called the son of this particular gentleman, and they were like, yes, that was his famous saying. And it came from me sitting in the dark hallway with the lights off on the stairwell with a bunch of spiders on me for about 20 minutes. But you never hear that I'm freaking out over the spiders. But I, I basically ran out of that <laughs> little hallway once Ugh. we were done. I'm like, no. Yeah, I will mow you down to get away from spiders. (laughs) So when you do an investigation, how do you typically do one? I mean, you know, the client calls and and what what transpires after that? First, why do you accept the particular case? And and then what happens after that? Well, generally when we take a case, we'll get usually it's initial phone call or someone will approach us because sometimes it does happen on a tour and we do a preliminary investigate um preliminary um questioning first like usually over the phone what's the problem because sometimes believe it or not talking to them over the phone calms them down and they just want someone to listen to them which is all fine and dandy and we do give them our numbers where they can contact us and Usually, if it's a family in need or anyone that has kids, we will go, no matter what. We generally will send um, field investigators to go, and we usually go in pairs because we don't like to show up at people's houses by ourselves for, obviously, um, our own safety. And we do a preliminary questionnaire where we ask them and we warn them that some of the questions are going to be rather um, personal like are they taking any medications mental health issues and then it you know their personal beliefs do they believe in the paranormal and stuff like that then we have them sign waivers on the fact that 
they want us to investigate their house so we get permission and it has to be from the owner of the property so you know a renter can call us in but we have to have permission from the owner to actually go onto the property and then we also have confidentiality forms that we sign so all of our clients both residential and commercial are have the luxury of knowing that when we go in to investigate a case or even just for the preliminary where we're not actually on the case we will not discuss that case unless they give us permission to discuss any particulars we're mum about it there's nothing that we we're allowed to discuss it with ourselves you know each other but we don't even discuss it with our family members. So I think that gives them, you know, a little breath of fresh air. Because some people, when they're in crisis like that, they don't necessarily want, you know, fans calling up with various types of names out in the front yard. They want it more low-key. And once we do all the questionnaires and stuff, I ask usually for a walkthrough of the particular areas that seem to be hot spots, and then we keep notes in the whole time we have recorders going, so we record everything so that we can go back and check certain areas, and we'll make notes on, like, air ducts or anything like that, because certain cases will have, they'll hear a particular sound. And if they're new to that building, they've just moved in, they may not be aware that, you know, it's their heating system that's kicking in or on and off. So we take pictures, we do videotape just from the initial walkthrough, and then we'll set up a second time to come, which is usually where from the first incident we've been there, we'll notice whether it's a lot more auditory, so we know we have to bring a lot of voice recorders, motion sensors, stuff like that. Depending on what is the activity and where it's located dictates what equipment we use during each investigation. Because each investigation, we can bring all of the equipment on hand, but most of the setups are not set up for, like we don't have 50 million cameras going in the kitchen when it's predominantly a sound that they hear will have a lot of recorders or motion sensors stuff like that that makes total sense you know that, that's unfortunate because people don't tailor their investigations uh according to the reports which is you know saves yourself tons and tons and tons of work i mean if there's only sounds being heard why would you need you know six thousand cameras and you're absolutely right on that that's steve parson's biggest pet peeve now, yeah, Wendy, I, mean, there's... Oh, sorry. Um, I was going to ask, so you said that you team up. Um, how many members do you have, you know, in a team? And if you, once you do a preliminary, um, if you do a follow-up, how many team members typically will go out on site? Well, that also depends on the investigation, because if it's a small house, like we were at a residential um, investigation recently and it was probably a small cottage so there wouldn't be a need to have several team members when you know a few could do it and realistically predominantly everybody in our organization has jobs 
So it's also a scheduling availability that we have to coordinate. Mm -hmm. So it has to be a minimum of two people because, like I said, for safety reasons, because we do occasionally get people that bless their hearts, you know, they're lonely or, you know, the stuff that they're seeing tends to be more medically induced than <laughs> anything else. But so it, it warrants... Um, for a commercial building, then you would have all hands on deck. Whoever was available would be, you know, going. And then we would have certain um, areas would be you're in charge of, say, the kitchen or I'm in charge of the attic. So we don't interlap and we know where every team member is so that no one is cross-contaminating someone else because we did have that before an investigation, and it was a um, person that wanted, it was a the homeowner, and we kept telling them that you need to stay in one area, and they were like, oh, yeah, no, we're staying here, and what we were realizing is they were getting up and going into the kitchen, so we kept hearing footsteps, and they were going into the kitchen to get a beer and coming back out, and we kept hearing this odd clanking noise, and it was, the ice that was dropping down from the refrigerator. So we kept, huh. we went up and asked him, are you going anywhere? No, no, I haven't left this room. And we're like, okay, it's not sounding right. And then literally the ice machine, the ice fell in the refrigerator. So we were like, huh, really? And then he ended up admitting that he had kept going back and forth and gotten a couple of beers while he was watching hmm. the whole thing. We're like, no, there's a reason for it because you're, this is coming up on our recorders and our video footage because you're in there. It wouldn't normally be happening if you weren't in that room. Right. So he was rather embarrassed because we did call him out on it, especially for the review in front of his other people. But, uh, with, I know that we're coming close to the break, but uh, I, I'll ask you one question. Then we'll talk a little bit about what Maureen does and, and if you have someone similar to that on your, your own teams. But before that, when you do an investigation and at the end uh, you've collected whatever evidence you've collected, I mean, how do you present it to the homeowner? Do you present it as, okay, your house is haunted and here is the reasons why? Or, or how, how do you present it? Well, depending on what the evidence is found, we'll assume that it is haunted. We'll mm -hmm. say that it's, this is what we were determined, we were able to rule out. All the items that we were able to rule out as being, you know, there's a cross breeze, that's why the door is opening, whatever. And mm -hmm. this is what we couldn't rule out. Now, we can't say it's their Uncle Bill, because Uncle Bill didn't show up on camera and tell us that it was Uncle Bill. We're saying this is an anomaly. We're not sure, and depending on the house, most of the cases that we get, there are not negative spirits. It tends to be, and the demon thing drives me crazy because everyone thinks their house or building is possessed by demons, and that's extremely rare. But once they're assured that if they take ownership of the house or their property, that you make it theirs, and we usually advise not to interact with them, especially if it's in between us going from 
the preliminary investigation to the investigation, please don't try to interact with it because if it is something negative, we'd rather you not, you know, charge up the situation and the more you're likely to ignore it, it tends to go away because they're not getting a reaction from you. But Mm -hmm. we don't, you know, we don't like to hype it up. We generally try to downplay it. We'll recommend house blessings if it, you know, feels more comfortable. We had um, people that will come in and bless the house depending on their faith. Some people, but depending on their faith, it will be, no, they really are not into that. They'll want their house smudged instead so we can provide people that can do that. We generally do not smudge the houses for them or bless the houses for them. We'll mm-hmm. give them people to do that service for them. Mm-hmm. And everything is free, like we said, because if they get anyone who demands payment, then they need to run and run quickly because that's just a scam. But, you know, we downplay the fact that it's haunted unless it's something um, which would be more out of our element we don't tend to deal with demonic cases because we don't get them that often, but we do have contacts in this field that we can call and say, can you please come down and check this out? And we'll give the people their number so that they'll feel more you know, comfortable and whatnot with that. But the homeowners or commercial people, they have our numbers, all of ours. So you know, if there's something that pops up, We had a case recently that literally we went to the investigation because most of us work. Some of us had to go after the investigation directly to work. But you get a call and it's like, We're actually coming up um, to break right now, so I'm going to have to ask you to, to keep okay. that thought. And, uh, uh, you know, I find that it's interesting is that more and more people, uh, you know, we never take payment, but uh, more and people are offering payment, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and you try to explain to them that you don't take it. But anyways, there's a tune, which means we have to take a break. Uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal. Uh, wherever else uh, this crazy show is played. And we'll be right. Um, with me is uh, Maureen Wood, and our special guest is Wendy Patterson from Capri, and we'll be right back after the following messages. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he is a paranormal scientist. Well, moustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome to Talkinet, radio with a cutting edge. 
the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Yeah? I, I think. That's it? <laughs> that's it. We're back. I mean, that's the big return. We're back. I've been waiting. We're back. See if you lo- hey, listen, see if it's you been lost many the- years. See if you Don't lost it or me. everything. I guess you did. I did. <laughs> Anyways, we're back. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, Next I Generation. I right so sorry. Right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, wherever else we're being played. We're speaking with <laughs> uh, Wendy Patterson from Capri. <laughs> Uh, and, speak, and speaking about that, we actually have a question from John for Wendy in the chat room, which fits into the, the question I was asking you about is, has she ever thought about using a medium, medium in her investigation, or, or does she use a medium in her investigation? And that comes from John in the chat room. Yes, we have. Capers has used mediums, and what we generally do is if we bring in a medium, they go in blind. They are not aware of any of the details of the case, and they are not generally, they don't say what their findings are. They go in, the same thing with us. If, we have, if we're on an investigation, we all have notepads and paper. So we can't influence each other by saying, okay, I'm getting the impression of you know, an older male, they will go room to room and writing down every one of their impressions. And it's the same thing that we do. If we see something, we write down the time. And um, if we saw what it was, what equipment was being used, we'll even write down, like, the weather, you name it, time of day. And the same thing is required of the medium, that they'll write down their impressions, and then when we come out, we all confer our notes to see if they overlap or what is not. But generally, we try to rule out anyone um, jumping on the bandwagon. So if you say, oh, well, it's this, sometimes they'll get the impression. People will say they've seen something or they become predisposed to looking for an older gentleman when it might be, you know, a younger boy or whatever but we try to take out any possible um, contamination on that part by using the you know notepads and keeping mum about it until we're outside and then we all confer our notes and same thing with the homeowner but the medium never sits in on any of the preliminary part of the investigation so that they can't be influenced one way or the other by you know, 
any of the homeowners or the place or whatnot. So I hope that answers their question. Yes, we do, but we try to keep it as pseudoscientific as possible. Okay. Mari, you use the yeah. I'm here. I'm just, yeah, I'm thinking about it, saying that would not work for me at all. Um, <laughs> and nothing, nothing rude or anything about it, Wendy, but to me, and that's great to say, you know, when you're writing it down, and, and that's, that's really good. And that would be fine for me, for instance, going into a location. I definitely don't want any heads up. I don't want, I go in blind uh, when we go, and Ron did this to me all the time, which is fine. Um, but when you're there and you're picking something up, to me, it would almost be a hindrance to not necessarily write it down, but to have to just to govern everything that way. Because to me, I could be, the person could be trying to speak through me, getting information, because a lot of times, depending on the energy strength, they may be, you know, far away from me, in other words, where they're keeping their dis distance, and I'm actually, I could write it down. But then there's other times where the energy is so strong, it's they're just kind of trying to come through so quickly, sometimes I'll speak for them. And to do that, I would just be kind of, I would think I would be losing a lot of opportunity if I did that. That's per my personal experience. Mm -hmm. Well, generally yeah, I find that if you're channeling, you don't have control over what is being said, that it sort of flies out of your mouth, and most of the time there's no inflection. So in that case, obviously it's not you, and we understand that when it comes out, and usually it's sometimes to the delight of other investigators because we try not to do that during investigations. Most people do not like to channel who are channels because it is a lack of privacy, and you generally will stand back and go, where did that come from, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've had experiences with that, so, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just you know everybody's particular form of investigating. Uh, right. You know, I agree with you about a lot of it about writing things down, which is good because then you have independent thought. But on the other hand, if you have someone who does channel and then you have the opportunity to interact, and and the the ultimate goal in, of investigation is to find out what's going on as as best you can. So uh, they both have their, their strong points, and, and so, uh, you know, to me, it's, there's, there's no right or wrong way. It's just whatever way works for you and your particular organization. But anyways, uh, Wendy, you also uh, do ghost tours out there as well, which is kind of intriguing. Uh, you do paranormal investigating and do ghost tours as well. So I... Assume is are they connected with uh, Capri? Um, well, Capers was founded in 2001 by Derek, and yep. it's Cape and Islands Paranormal. Derek Bartlett. He'll kill me if I don't pronounce his name right. Um, mm -hmm. 2001 by Derek Bartlett, um, and it's Cape. Yeah, and you guys Island's been around Paranormal. for a long time. Yes, and yep. we were actually one of the first um, groups to ever get federal funding. And that was in 2004. Oh, really? We became, yeah, and we became incorporated. And Derek would travel, well, a lot of us do lectures and obviously public speaking, and travel around the country doing lectures. And at the time, 
the tours were part of papers. The we had they were combined both as one company, and then they split. And the not all of us are tour guides. Like I'm not a tour guide. I'm the investigative side, but oh, okay. most of us will jump on to the tours. Like I generally will show up on our ghost hunting tours because if there's a question and you happen to be taking one of our ghost tours, they're all led by actual field investigators. Oh, Derek Bartlett and Nancy Jenkins do our tours and I'll show up on the ghost hunter nights. I love the history tours. They're my favorite, but I, I really love history. But so it gives the people the opportunity to ask us questions and during our tours, which makes it different on the ghost hunter tour only mm -hmm. and uh, our private tours, we actually show our customers how to use the equipment that they're seeing on these TV shows. And we send them out into one of our haunted cemeteries and the oldest wooden jail in America that we are very privileged to have access to, to investigate. And they get to use, you know, our digital voice recorders to learn how to get EVPs in the proper way where you, you know, you pause and you say everything under the sun that you happen to hear, whether it's car horns or, you know, someone's stomach growling, the whole nine yards which is what they don't get to see on TV because they get to see the condensed version. Of course. And then, you know, they get to use our ovuluses and spirit boxes and, you know, any equipment that we happen to have on hand will generally let them use. And what usually happens is when I buy new equipment, I sort of donate our old equipment towards you know, the tour ends where it doesn't matter to me that if it accidentally gets dropped a few times or whatnot, it's okay. So, right. so the, and those the tour... run from April. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was so... just going to say they run from April to November, and it's literally every night, rain or shine, doesn't matter. Um, snow, we generally don't have the people go into the cemetery then because it is an old cemetery dating back to the 1700s, so there are some broken stones and it's kind of uneven terrain, so that, not usually, but I think we've only had to cancel it for a tornado and a hurricane. I think pretty much everything else is, if you oh, show wow. up, we're there. Yeah, because I've been trying to get you on the show for a while, and you've been doing a lot of these tours, that's why I... Uh, asked you about them. And, and, and John from the chat room asks, uh, what's the best time to go to a ghost tour? So I'm not sure if he means time of year or night or a day, but uh, take it for what it's well, worth. You, you can book um, a day tour. Usually it'll be at the convenience of one of our tour guides mm -hmm. because um, if they're available, and we have enough people, then we'll most certainly try to accommodate possible. I personally like going when it's either a full moon, um, if it's, I'll say, lightning, which probably isn't that conducive or smart to be walking out in it, but 
you know, I think it gives a nice charge to the atmosphere, especially if you're, you know, inside the jail doing, um, using your equipment. That's one thing. But larger crowds, I think it's when in the summer when we have huge crowds, I think it makes it a little harder to hear. Sometimes you'll get just little nuances that you're not getting the big boom that you hear that they see on TV, but it'll be, you know, like a knocking here or a whisper or something like that. And it's harder to rule it out if there's a lot of people in the, you know, on the tour. Mm -hmm. And I generally like going in the fall or in the spring, but you have to dress for it because it's a walking tour and it is outside. So most of the time you are outside. So it's whatever elements are out there is what you need to dress for. So we usually have like, especially in the spring and fall, we have hand warmers that we start like an hour before we're supposed to do the tour. So they're nice and hot, and you put those in your gloves or your boots, and you're fine. But <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. No, so I like the does, smaller tours. It, it, does that found uh, the uh, the income from the tours? Does that uh, help finance uh, the parent organization? No, not at all, because it's run as two separate companies now. Mm-hmm. The capers we don't charge membership fees. So we tend to be creative, where we'll either take the onus on each of us on ourselves. Some of us can pay a little more than others that are on fixed incomes or whatnot. But I started doing, um, well, we started, each of us have certain creative outlets. Like when we would do the those conferences, I was painting skulls and glasses and making jewelry. And the money from that, 100% of it, went to the Capers Fund. So whatever we had in there goes towards paying for travel and whatnot to our um, residential and commercial. And I buy my own equipment, which I usually donate to the group, and each of us have our own equipment, So, and we're more than willing to share. So, And I no. know some groups charge a membership fee, but just didn't seem practical because, like I said, some people can afford it and some people can't. Well, and that's one thing I actually, you know, and no disrespect, I just had a question for you. So before we went to break, um, you did you said that, you know, you send people to, say, for instance, do a cleansing or to help a family and so forth, and don't ever send anybody who charges. And that I kind of, like, I think that's a personal choice. Um, I you know, obviously for me, and I know Ron, when we do investigations or whenever I went out, I never charged for any of that. And in fact, I had someone the other night asking me, you know, geez, I have something going on. Can you come out in this family or friend of mine and they need some help? And to be honest, I haven't done that for many reasons in a long time. I choose not to. But when I'm, you know, not able to go and attend to help, I do recommend a certain individual who I trust and this is something they do on the side, and they do charge money. They don't charge, charge crazy amounts, but they do charge money. Oh, they do, huh? Yeah. Well, you know the person I'm speaking with. Um, mm. and, it's, and I don't think it's anything wrong with it, because if I sat and looked at it, um, it's all in your personal opinion, right? Like if you had a plumber because you had a leaky faucet, would you charge the plumber to come and fix that, or do you expect them to pay the gas and the time of their labor to go fix it? 
I mean, so, okay, let me ask you this then, Maureen, is that uh, supposedly the uh, the plumbing still leaks after they're gone. Uh, is there, uh, does he come back at no charge to uh, take care of the leaky plumbing? Yes. So as long as it takes, then, is what you're saying? Right. I mean, mm. the whole point, and it's, it's actually a person I met through you, Ron, so I'm not going to bring up the name, but it's something no, 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 that no, I... Right. Huh? No, it's nothing bad. It's just, you know, we've actually gone out, and that night we went with the Japanese crew, and they were doing a cleansing on the house. Mm-hmm. Right? But this person, actually, someone was calling me. They were, you know, they needed to have someone come to their home, and mm-hmm. I just couldn't break away, couldn't get some. I wasn't able to be there. Um, and then this person came to mind, and I got great feedback. They were very happy, and I think they charged maybe $50. It wasn't mm-hmm. like they... You know, they charge them all this money. But I think that, you know, obviously, if you want, you know, if you're living a life that you can financially afford it and you can go and do these things and volunteer your time all the time, that's amazing. But to be honest, you know, time is time. And Yeah, I know, but my my thing is is this is so, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I I don't see how you could, I mean, especially for investigations, you know, Wendy doesn't charge, and, and, and I won't charge it, but uh, well, I've run into it. Many, many people who will do that will, will ask you, you know, you know, can you help my, come to my house and do an investigation? Yeah. Uh, and, and they want to pay you. And, of course, we, we never accept it, but it right. seems there seems to be a trend that more and more people are offering money. Do you, do you find that, uh, Wendy, or, or, or is it just in my area? No, I think that there have been um, clients that have actually. Uh, I don't know whether it's other people they've contacted or where they're getting the idea that they need to charge, but I think it's like Maureen said, they're assuming because it's a service and you're coming in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and you're dropping everything to go that, you know, therefore they need to pay you. And our onus is if it is an investigation, do not pay anybody because there isn't necessarily concrete scientific proof that you can justify taking payment. Now, if that was the case that we were referring someone who charged, most churches don't charge. They'll, you know, do a blessing for free. But we would have people that would either, you know, be free or if there was amount, we would tell the customer uh, the client up front that this person charges this amount of money. Oh, I see. Okay. So if that was the case, then we would have to tell them that this person charges money. You can mm-hmm. either use them or, you know, go a different route. Right. But Right. And I don't think it's something ex- wrong. Like, it's personal. You know, I mean, it's it's something that, you know, it's, it's obviously, yeah, the other guarantees, but there's no, what is there a guarantee on, though? That's the whole thing. Um you know, yeah, I think like that's someone, where it, it's a gray area. That's where the you know? problem comes. Mm, is you're exactly. giving someone payment to bless something, and unless they can guarantee it, and like Ron Plummer, um, you know, there's a problem because then your name is attached to someone that's getting money, and the problem may not be fixed. Right. And right. So, and it may not be through that person's fault anyway, because sometimes mm. when you bless the house, you know. It could be some something else that comes up. So it's somebody you know, bringing like, them in. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, right. So you know, yeah, it I mean, not be through their fault. 
but the you know, and I and I never that. myself. That's not the whole thing. You know, like I would never want to. You know, please don't think that's the case. But I do know there are some, and I do trust them to not take advantage of people. Let's put it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. So that being said, well, where your name is tied to it, you would have to make sure that you know the person is up and up because if we're recommending someone obviously our name is associated with them so if they right. do you know a disservice to the client that also reflects badly on us so mm -hmm. oh, absolutely yeah absolutely absolutely um there's another member of the team from the west coast and I, his name escapes me right now uh wendy another member of your um, team. Um, i know he's talking about thomas yes um he actually is the west coast um representative he does um he has something to do with movies i have not met him because mm -hmm. he was on the west coast prior to me joining so yeah. i have actually not had you know much contact with him derek has contact with him yeah. so um I'm oh, not okay. sure what the, the only, re only reason I mentioned that there. up is is when Mari and I first started doing the, the radio many, 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 many years ago, we actually had him on the show uh, years ago. Uh, he had just moved out to the West Coast at that time, and uh, he was on the show in regards to shadow people, which was interesting. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I was just curious about that, if you were you still with the group and everything. So he is, so that's good. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, you, you mentioned equipment a few times. How do you determine, I mean, there's a lot of equipment out there, and, and a lot of it is, uh, you know, wow. not, really not based on a lot of <laughs> good scientific principles. Uh, how do you pick which equipment to use and do you use any of the old methods spiritual methods like dowsing for instance um we have generally um and it's sad to say but most of your clients want the flash bang is <laughs> um stuff they want the ovulus they want the spirit box they want um the rem pods that light up you know the um, bears that when anything comes near them, they light up the trigger objects because they want to see it. And, you know, it puts on a good show. They're used to that on TV. But a lot of our investigations come from, you know, basic recorder, camera work, and yourself because you are the best equipment that there is out there. You know when the air has changed and your body reacts to something and you know when you know if a spirit walks through you you know it mm -hmm. you know when you're touched and there's nothing there and you know your hair is being yanked and there's no nail around or anything that can be you know it wrapped around i was sitting in the jail and it was on one of our um, fourth, while the people are over at the cemetery, Derek has them over there, Nancy, the other tour guide, and I run over to the jail and do a mini investigation for 20 minutes while, before the people come over. And I was sitting on the floor, and I literally had, I could feel 
someone grab my ankle and literally spread my legs apart. And no. she was in the other room. She had the ovulus going, and she had a flashlight, and the recorder was next to me. And I said to her, was that you? Because it was pitch black, and mm-hmm. meaning the lights went complete. Everything went completely out. Right. And before, as she was answering no, the ovulus kicked on and it said yes, and I was roaring with laughter. And I, hmm. I realized most people don't find that very funny. They would be scared, but I was dying of laughter. And I was like, oh, shoot, the tour is going to come over. Now it's just getting really good. <laughs> so we, we have that issue. But we also get, you know, strange people that will contact us. And because they see the shows with demons and what, they want us to be able to summon a demon so they can see what it's like to have their house possessed. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a good yeah. one. So needless to say, I, we passed on that case. That was a flat-out no mm. and no. But, yeah, the demon issue seems to be rather prevalent if they get any pictures, a, fla- a red flash. There's a stop stoplight that's near the cemetery, so it happens to flash through the trees. And people will occasionally say, you know, there's a demon because it's red. It's like, no, that's the self-light that's flashing through the trees. Right. Uh, but that just... We're crazy. getting very close to the end of the show, so if uh, somebody wanted to get in touch with you or, or your organization, how could they? Go to capers.com, C-A-I-C-R-S dot com, and Derek... Who's the Derek Bartlett, who's the founder, will speak to you or he'll refer you to probably me. And we welcome everyone. Whether it's a tour, you would definitely talk to Derek about the tour. And if it's a case, usually he gets the initial call and then he gives it to me to contact the people and I get to do the interviews and go on the investigation. So. And I want to thank you for having me on your show. It was a true pleasure. And thank you, Maureen. Oh, it was great oh, th- chatting thank with you. So you much. And thank you. And uh, you have a good night now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye. So anyways, uh, that was uh, Wendy Patterson from Capri. And we're running out of time. But one thing I do want to mention, uh, I've got this really cool event coming up in, in March. Uh, it's a... Spirit, it's called In Search of Spirit, and it's a uh, spiritual uh, connection and paranormal investigation uh, weekend. And it's going to occur, uh, I believe it's the 18th of March through the 20th. And it's up in Brunswick, Maine, at the Stone End. The, the front of the, the place is all first-class accommodations and everything else and great meals and everything else and then the captain's house which is attached to it is going reno- going to be renovated there's no one in it and we're doing a full investigation there as well as a red light sand so check it out uh it will be uh, if you go to wind soul studio uh it's wind soul studios uh look it up on facebook and you'll see the event there and so i'm looking forward to that so believe it or not we're out of time wow that went fast it did. So, Maureen, thank you so much for being with us, and it's time to wrap it up. Anything right. else you want to say? Uh, no, just it was great working with you again, and uh, hopefully I'll talk with you soon. Okay. We'll be right. So- <laughs>
next remember next week's show is the live video broadcast with uh, Ann and I. So until then, good night. God bless. Good night. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good luck.